Injured in a car accident? We cap attorney's fees at 30% of the first million. Any recovery above that is all yours. No recovery, no fees or costs. If another lawyer wants more, lawyer up 904. For accidents, injuries, and more, lawyer up 904. Jacksonville. Let's go into the night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Shootout in Jacksonville. What a day. What a couple of days in the world of college football. Some tightly contested ball games today. None better than moments ago at the bank. Notre Dame got it done on the ground. And in the Lou Holtz Bowl, it is Notre Dame, a winner, 45-38 over South Carolina. Of course, the last couple of days, there's been so much going on in the world in college football, and that'll continue tonight. We're a half hour away from the Orange Bowl. The Battle of the Orange tonight in the Orange Bowl. Clemson, Dabo Sweeney, his 200th career game with the Tigers. And Tennessee, off to that brilliant start, we know that um, the end of the season didn't go as planned, but still a lot to be proud of this year for the Volunteers. It'll be a very interesting game coming up. Again, that'll be at 8 o'clock, but I can't get over the excitement of this Notre Dame, South Carolina football game, and and really a tale of two totally different uh, teams and their approach. Notre Dame, 265 yards rushing, 45 totes. You look at Carolina, they only ran it 22 times. Passing the football, Buckner today, a very workmanlike 19-34 for 274 yards. Turned the ball over, as we know. Also, three touchdowns. For Buckner, so three apiece there. Spencer Rattler made one major mistake, uh, as we do know. Um, or actually, the the pick six uh, the other way there for South Carolina. One of the three interceptions that Buckner threw. The Oklahoma transfer, Spencer Rattler, a very interesting season at South Carolina. Ended up going twenty nine to forty four, two hundred and forty six yards, two touches, and one pick. Folks will be filing out of the Gator Bowl. And heading uh, to whichever direction they are. But what an unbelievable performance right here on this Friday. And it's great to get a game like this in. All right. My name is Rick Ballou. Usually with you 6 to 8 on a little bit later tonight because you just heard the Gator Bowl. And, you know, earlier today, it, it it's just, you know, let's be honest about this. A lot of these games, a lot of these bowl games mean very little to anyone unless it is your alma mater or you are a degenerate gambler. I mean, Pittsburgh-UCLA ended up being thrilling. Uh, The Panthers, 16 fourth-quarter points today. In the Sun Bowl, we had an old ACC classic, right? Maryland and North Carolina State, where points were obviously of the premium. Maryland wins there, 16-12. That was in Charlotte. And as I've said now already twice, I'll do it for a third time. Coming up in just a little bit in Miami, we'll get Tennessee and Clemson. Clemson favored by four in this matchup. All right, coming up in the next couple of hours, here's what we are going to do. First off, it's it's right after 7.30 now. We do want to get caught up on uh, some of our local commercials because we love our sponsors, and that's just the way that we do things, all right? But I'm going to be with you tonight along with J.J., until 9 o'clock, and then Hacker's coming in. He's going to be with you tonight up until 11 o'clock. So you're going to get a lot of local programming right here on this Friday night. Of course, we will have plenty on the Jaguars. And, you know, I was so invested last night uh, watching Florida State in a thrilling football game, a mistake-filled football game against Oklahoma where I was very disappointed with Florida State's defense, all right? They couldn't stop anyone or anything, yet they found a way. I mean, Jordan Travis, 9 of 10 in the fourth quarter for 155 yards and a touchdown. Uh, just simply amazing 
But we saw how that game went back and forth and back and forth. And what happened there, I, I certainly want to spend some time discussing that matchup here on the program. I also, you know, kept my eye on Dallas and Tennessee. Tennessee played hard for 30 minutes, but they were totally outmanned. We saw, and I guess we now understand what Mike Vrabel is thinking. He called off the dogs. We thought, I thought, that giving them an extra three days of rest, you know, today, tomorrow, and Sunday, with obviously the Jaguars playing at Houston at 1 o'clock, we'll have everything for you. As a matter of fact, I'll be right here back in the chair at 8 a.m. with Mia O'Brien. Uh, Hayes Carline will be checking in uh, from Houston, where they'll try to snap that nine-game losing streak. But, you know, the importance there for Jacksonville – well, it's really not that important unless you were trying to find a way into a wild card. I'm like, forget about that. Just knock off Tennessee in a week, win the divisional title, and then, you know, who do you want to play? You want to play Baltimore? You want to play Cincinnati? You want to play Miami? Um, it's wide open at this particular time, you know, as to who it could be the Los Angeles Chargers uh, in a rematch. They have a game this weekend against the Rams, who I, you know, figured had basically mailed it in. Then you saw what they did last week. So there's still a lot of football out there, and we do want to talk about that as we move throughout the course of the night, both with the Jaguars last night with Florida State and everything else that is there. I will tell you that I I want to rerun an interview I did with Tim Brando on Wednesday because it's got tremendous significance. Our conversation is on tomorrow's semifinal matchups to get to the national championship. And if you didn't hear what Brando said, it's, um, well, he's always good, but this may surprise you. I'm going to tease it a little bit. If you didn't hear Wednesday's show, uh, Timmy B and his picks on these matchups coming up tomorrow, beginning at four with TCU in Michigan. Then, of course, it's Ohio State, Georgia. I, I think you'll find some surprise with that. So we do want to rerun that a little bit later on in the program. All right, let's get caught up on some breaks here. Uh, JJ, are we on YouTube tonight? We Is are. everything running? We yeah. are on YouTube. Uh, better late than never, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so all you got to do is go to the 1010XL YouTube page. We are the first video. You can't miss us. Share us with your friends. Give us a like. Try and remember the last time I had to wait for a game to end to go on. I, I think it was like maybe 1996 and Florida State was in the College World Series and I was over in Tallahassee, 95, 96. Yeah, the afternoon slate, Friday afternoon of great bowl games caught me off guard. Yeah. I understand that there's, you know, New Year's is on a Sunday, so they're not doing the New Year's Day Bowls, but this was weird. Hey, listen, I love my airtime, but let me tell you something. That game was so good, I wouldn't have been disappointed if Notre Dame, South Carolina – Went into OT, not because I was going to collect my check anyway, but let's be (laughs) honest, that's a hell of a lot more entertaining than I am. I mean, let's just come right out and say it. All right, the best way for you to get on in, as always, is our text line, and that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures, 641-1010. Thoughts on the Gator Bowl, thoughts on college football, including what Florida State did yesterday. What about the Jaguars? How you feeling? Okay, you've got tomorrow to enjoy it, tonight to enjoy it, and then, of course, they'll play Sunday at 1 o'clock. Got to go out there, try to get it done in Houston. He's JJ. My name is Rick Ballew. Let's go into the night on a Friday. Into the Night with Rick Ballew on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, happy New Year's to you and yours. Hopefully you're enjoying yourself on a Friday night. Be safe. You know, certainly I'm a huge fan of spirits, any kind. But uh, if you're diving in, call an, call an Uber, right? Call a Lyft. Call a taxi. I used to have a taxi. He used to ring me up all the time. I wonder if he's still running that bad boy or if he's gone to uh to uber Th- this guy's got it the 0107 says uh just on the porch chilling smoking drinking yeah trying to stay away from the fam <laughs> hell yeah listening to the end of the game expecting replays and something from earlier today and to my pleasant surprise what do i hear rick 
he's got a M apostrophe and then an F and an N blue. I have no idea what that I'm means. I'm not sure either. And JJ. Well, you're welcome, sir. Thanks for sticking with us. Today. Well, I wouldn't have it any other way. I mean, I, I needed yesterday off, and it's a good thing. Because the Knowles, um, that just, I mean, what's up? That was terrible last night. Absolutely awful. And, you know, all of a sudden I'm really concerned. They allowed way too many points against Florida. They allowed way too many points against Oklahoma. It's the same Oklahoma team that lost, what, 58 nothing to Texas? Uh, we saw Texas last night. They... They couldn't get it done in their bowl game. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with the win, but all of a sudden, I'm like, you better be able to fix that defense because Oklahoma just ran the ball right down Florida State's throat. And Fabian Lovett, you know, he, he opted out. And, you know, I, I don't want to display uh, dislike or anything that, is along those lines, but I also have to be honest with you. And I know, you know, I had an opportunity to sit down with Fabian Lovett in late uh, July in Charlotte at the Atlantic Coast Conference football meetings, and I, I, I came across liking him. Um, but he sat three games out. He was injured, and those are the three games that Florida State lost. He was a huge blow to that interior defensive line. When he came back, they were better. Well, he opted out last night. And some are saying he's injured. I don't buy that. I think he just is looking at his NFL career. And like so many of these players, I mean, heck, look, look at what we just saw here with Notre Dame. Okay? Uh, it'll be interesting to see what Clemson ends up doing tonight when it is announced. It's been rumored that some of these defensive players are not going to go. Of course, the Orange Bowl begins at 8 o'clock against Tennessee. But without Lovett last night, they were just getting gashed. And I'm like, damn, man. I mean, he's projected to be like a sixth, seventh-round pick. If that, couldn't he have really helped his stock? Look at what Jamie Robinson did last night. Man, he's going to go down as one of my all-time favorite Knowles. What do you have, 15, 16 tackles? Uh, the fumble recovery on the hit by a Marion Cooper with about nine and a half minutes to go in that football game. Florida State was in dire need of a takeaway because Oklahoma was scoring. And, and that was basically the deal last night for both teams. But with Love It Not out there, I was totally disgusted. So, you know, I mean, you look at guys from a few years ago. It's the first time in, you know, early January will be my 30th year doing this. But those guys were so selfish on those teams that it's really for the first time in my life that I have rooted for those players to fail in the NFL. Okay, Marvin Wilson. I want to see you fail. Okay, there's only a couple. Asante Samuel Jr., I have a lot of respect for Cam Akers. I have some respect for, but, you know, all these other great defensive players who were five stars and ended up doing nothing over at FSU, uh, for the most part, they're on the practice squad and are not collecting big checks and are probably not long for a career in football. And I'm happy about it, okay? I'm not going to disguise it. I'm happy about it because they were selfish and they were turds that Mike Norvell had to flush as he attempted to rebuild the character within this football team. You saw a lot of guys last night play hard. You also saw a tremendous amount of mistakes for Florida State. Johnny Wilson is a gamer, but he's not an NFL player. He can't run and he drops footballs. Now, he made a huge grab last night. No doubt he made two huge grabs. Last night, he also dropped a would-be walk-in touchdown. So, I don't know if he's going to be a tight end at the next level. I don't know if at six foot seven he can be a wide receiver. Uh, at this particular point, you look at the interception that was thrown last night by Jordan Travis. It was a terrible route by Johnny Wilson. I know I, I sound like Steve Spurrier here. The um, back when Spurrier was into it, I'm not talking about the Steve Spurrier who quit on you, South Carolina fans. I'm talking about Spurrier who was, um, you know, the inventor of uh, an offense that we have never seen before in the history of college football when he was at Florida. But it was never on any one of Spurrier's quarterbacks. I don't care if it was Terry Dean. I don't care if it was Danny Warfel. I don't care if it was Shane Matthews. I don't care who. I mean, no, that's not the quarterback's. That's wide receivers, Rob. 
Okay? You got to sharpen up your skills. Give us sharp, crisp, disciplined routes. Johnny Wilson didn't run that last night. It was a dog route, and it ended up being a pick uh, that Travis threw, which actually benefited them a little bit. It, it was almost like a punt, and it actually, with the pick, uh, did uh, take away eight yards, if that makes any sense. Jordan Travis is an absolute star, and it amazes me how he has been used at Florida State. Going back to the conversation that I had with Travis, and this would have been two years ago in Charlotte, not last year. I mean, two years ago, Mike Norvell walks out Mackenzie Milton as well. Okay, I have a better arm than Mackenzie Milton, and he brought him to Charlotte. He brought Jordan Travis. Uh, to Charlotte, and it was at that point another former Gator quarterback, uh, Eric Kresser, was his high school coach. And all we knew at that point was Jordan Travis, a guy who would take the ball and run it, and he was incredibly explosive. So I asked him about that, and he's like, no, I've never been a running quarterback. I wasn't a running quarterback at high school. I wasn't a running quarterback at Louisville. I didn't become a running quarterback until I got to Florida State, and and that is the way that, you know, he was used early in his tenure. There, there's no question about that, uh, both with Taggart and with Mike Norvell, but he's really evolved. He's really developed. I, I don't know if he's an NFL quarterback. I'm not a scout. I, um, I have a pretty good feeling about guys that are big and have NFL arms or guys who are big, like let's say an Anthony Richardson, I actually think he's going to be a good quarterback in the NFL. Now, if you're drafting him in the 2023 draft and and you believe that you can just throw him out there day one and he's going to win for you, that's not going to happen. All right, look what happened with Trevor Lawrence a year ago. And look at Trevor Lawrence right now. I, I think when I look at someone like Richardson – there's a guy that needs at least one year to learn and, you know, get acclimated to the offensive system. Hopefully it's a coaching scenario where he's not already on the hot seat. And I know that that's probably not the way to look at things because if Richardson does go as the third, fourth quarterback, I mean, that could end up being a top 10 pick. And typically if you're selecting in the top 10, you are on the hot seat or you were just hired, and it may be your first year or second year, but once again, uh, the pressure is already on you in this league that you better win now. I mean, heck, we had 10 coaching firings last year in the NFL. We've already had three in-season this year, and I got to believe three or four more are coming, and including I also believe that Sean Payton and maybe Jim Harbaugh. Those are two coaches right there that could force a firing. You understand what I'm getting at? I mean, you you got to um, respect the Rooney rule. But I will not be – I mean, if let's say Dallas. Let's say Dallas goes down to Tampa during wild card weekend. And Dallas gets knocked out in the first round. Mike McCarthy here, and listen, it was one of the great – I mean, we just saw a phenomenal football game there tonight with uh, Notre Dame's victory over South Carolina. The game here a couple of weeks ago, when the Jaguars knocked off the Dallas Cowboys, was simply amazing. But it was also a really gutless performance by Mike McCarthy and by offensive coordinator Kellen Moore, who happens to be on the, you know, the next guy up. You look at offensive and defensive coordinators around the NFL, guys who have yet to be a head coach, Kellen Moore is going to be on top of that list. As a Cowboys fan, I would have been livid by that approach. I mean, Trevor fumbles it. You have it first and 10, a minute 44 to go. And what do you do? You run a pop, one timeout. You run a pop, second timeout. So what are you going to do? Run it again, force a third timeout, then punt, give Jackson a chance, or you know, try to pick up a first down. It was third and I think 10 or third and 11. No, you throw the ball 40 yards down. Feel, I mean, okay, maybe he was trying to garner uh, a pass interference call. I, I, I don't think they have the clout at wide receiver if it's not C.D. Lamb. And Williams had good coverage. Nothing was called. You know the rest. Jacksonville had a timeout in their hip pocket. 
Jacksonville went down, kicked the field goal, and of course you had the overtime uh, winner when Jenkins had the pick six. But that was a gutless performance by Mike McCarthy. He didn't try to win it. He instead said, all right, we'll see if this second-year quarterback can get it done. Let's see if our defense can make a play, and let's see if this kid can make a field goal. And it happened, one, two, and three. Very reminiscent to me to the 2017 AFC Championship game where the this week fired Nate Hackett did not try to win that game with Doug Marone. They tried to massage everything and watch the clock tick, and that's not the way to play football, all right? Doug Peterson tries to win games. Say what you want about Mike Norvell. It, I mean, I rip hair out of my head watching this guy. He's one of six last night on third down going into the third quarter, and he's zero for three on fourth down. It's not working, okay? And I, I know it's hard to complain after a W, but that's the way that I'm wired. I, I have major reservations about his game day call. They have no goal line presence. They had to run a gimmick. They had to run a wild card, uh, you know, a, a wildcat last night. They got stoned on their opening possession. They drove the entire field, got down inside the five, and they couldn't score. They just, they're still soft at the offensive line. And they don't have a big bruising back. Man, last night it looked like, and I'm just going to say this, I hope I'm wrong, last night it looked like Trey Benson's on his way to the NFL. He just called off his performance. He was so good against Florida. He was a superstar against Florida. He was a dog last night. And I'm not talking, I know dog to a lot of you younger, uh, whether you're a millennial or a Generation Z or whatever it is. I know dog is cool. All right, dog is good. My version of this dog is anything but. And, you know, looking at him, I was like, if you're going to go out there and play like that, why not just play like Fabian Lovett or Akeem Dent and and just take the night off? Just say, I'm not ready. I don't want to give it a go. Nonetheless, huge win, 10-win season. Florida State now um, has the momentum. They've done well through the transfer portal. They have gotten better with recruiting. That is, uh, that is to me, still the lifeblood of this school and any other school. They, they have to get better there. That's why this win last night was really important, in my opinion, for Florida State. There's been a lot of press clippings that have been read by that team, and it took them at least 30 minutes to get the rust off. Uh, that loss last night would have been devastating to that program. They didn't lose. They won the game. So there's a lot to be proud of. In this offseason now, everything that you think you are going to hear, you are. All the hype. Florida State, I think, finishes maybe 10, possibly 11. In America, I think they're a top 10 preseason pick. I think Jordan Travis is going to get a lot of Heisman Hype, deservably so. How is Florida State going to react to that? Okay. They have to beat teams they're supposed to beat. Oklahoma set down their star running back and both their star tackles last night. Okay. Their starting offensive line last night, not one of those five was a starter when the year began for the Sooners. And they just ran it right down Florida State's throat. So this is a team that, that um, it, it, it's pointing upward. But it's still nowhere near perfect. And they lucked out, you know. They, they, they got a call. I thought that fourth down call, <laughs> you know, I, I, the pit, I, again, what in the hell does this team do on third and short? And they just can't line up and pick up first downs. I mean, they, they tinker here. They tinker there. Um, it's almost got a Canadian football look to it. I know I sound a little bit down. Okay, but, I mean, I just wish they could run the football. Play Florida State football. Us against you. Us against them. Uh-uh. Uh, they turned the other cheek last night, and they got away with it because they had the best player on the field in Jordan Travis. All right, enough love for Florida State. Coming up next, let's get to the Jacksonville Jaguars. A huge matchup 
coming up in Houston on Sunday. We'll talk about that. JJ and I are going to make our weekly picks. And as well, Tim Brando, the interview I did with him on Wednesday. want to replay that for you because it breaks down TCU and Michigan. It also breaks down Georgia and Ohio State. All of that coming up. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, a Friday night in Duval along with JJ. My name is Rick Ballou. The best way to get a hold of us is on our text line. That is 641-1010. And that is brought to you by Lifetime Enclosures. We're with you for another hour. Hacker tonight, 9 to 11. I will talk with you at 8 a.m. Sunday morning as we get the Jaguars pregame all Ready to go. Of course, nine straight has gone the other way. Houston playing better than their record. There's no doubt about it, including last week, knocking off Tennessee. We're going to get to the Jaguars here in just a couple of moments. I do want to replay for you an interview I did with Tim Brando on Wednesday because I I believe it's um it's the right thing to do because most of our conversation is about the two huge games coming up tomorrow. And Tim Brando did TCU three times this year. TCU's not getting the love of Michigan or Ohio State or Georgia. As you know, three brand uh, schools. This is kind of a fringe team. But they have had an unbelievable season. And, um, you know, I I would have voted Dugan as my Heisman Trophy recipient. I would have voted him one. I ended up voting for Williams. And I, I voted him number two. And, you know, if they if he scored and they knocked off Kansas State, it's amazing how it came down to a play. But I'm just sharing with you how I voted. But anyway, Tim Brando is a guy that I've known forever. Tim has, since I've been back here now, what, 16 years, Tim is with me each and every week uh, talking college football. And here is our conversation. Rick Bully with Tim Brando. Let's go back to Wednesday. No. Another interview on the Farrah and Farrah phone line. Brought to you by the accident attorneys at Farrah and Farrah. Plenty of bowl games out there. Let's bring in our buddy Tim Brando. We always love to talk college football with Timmy B. He is with Fox Sports, and he joins Rick Ballou each and every Friday throughout the course of the regular season. But we have him right here in the middle of the week on a Wednesday afternoon. Timmy B., how are you? I'm wonderful. Hope you had a Merry Christmas and – Here's to a happy 2023, Rick. Good to be with you. Always good to visit with you on uh, my favorite station in Jacksonville. Yes, and we love having you. All right, you you had a great tweet today, and I responded to it, and I knew I was going to have you on. But, you know, I I, I think it's the one issue, and it's been around forever, but I I think it's the one issue that – is is certainly a a very lengthy conversation. It's that whole rest – to rust issue for the final four, yep. which we'll get on Saturday. Do you have a feeling either way? Is there a team that you think has a, an outright advantage here? And on the flip side, perhaps a disadvantage. Well, I think both underdogs have tremendous advantages. I think, um, I think TCU is, is driven. They, they still remember that one yard that they didn't get that would have uh, kept their record unblemished. And they would have had a Big 12 title, which I believe they feel like they earned and uh, and did not get against a really good Kansas State team. you got to tip your cap to Kansas State. But I think that one loss, if you know anything about Duggan, and I did uh, you know, three of uh, TCU's games this past year with Spencer, including the win over Kansas State earlier in the year in October, which kept them undefeated, actually got them to 7-0, and and uh, they were well on their way. It was during that period when they had those back-to-back, uh, come-from-behind victories against Oklahoma State and against Kansas State. And they did it again, obviously, when they beat Baylor at the at the Horn uh, in Waco. That was a that was a game that I think uh, you, you say to yourself, well, okay, they were emotionally distraught, but <laughs> losing a game that way for a Big 12 title. But when they did not move uh, one iota from the spot that they were in before, and the committee kept them in the three-hole and matched them up against Michigan, I think they were euphoric. I think they love the matchup with Michigan. And I think Duggan is the best player in the country, despite what the Heisman Trophy uh, Trust did. Uh, 
And look, I, and and listen, Caleb Williams is a great player, hell of a story. But look, uh, he's not better than Duggan as a college football player, in my opinion. And I think that he's going to be the best player on the field. And they've got weapons. They've got big time weapons. Quentin Johnston is a, a freak at wide receiver. Would have won the Bolitnikoff if it hadn't been for injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, his stats just weren't what they could have been because he missed four games. Uh, Jared Wiley, the tight end, is un, is almost indefensible. Uh, the only the only tight end better, I think, is the one at Georgia. Uh, and they're playing a Michigan team that, because of their brand and because they beat Ohio State in Columbus, is con- uh, you know is considered a prohibitive favorite. I, I just don't see it. I, I do not see it at all. And then in the other game, I think Ohio State is, has had 28 days to get healthy. You know, Mayan Williams is back. Uh, not all the receivers, but most of them are healthy again. Uh, and they're really tired of being whipped by <laughs> uh, Buckeye Nation and the media uh, for the last, you know, three and a half to four weeks after losing to Michigan the way they did. And to get matched up against Georgia, uh, a team in the SEC that gave up 530 yards to LSU in the championship game. And I know some people are saying, well, but most of that was at mop-up time. Look, LSU would have been in that game were it not for a couple of really dumb plays they made yep. in special teams. Mm-hmm. I mean, Georgia's defense can be burned. And I don't know of a team that could do a better job scintillating that, that burn than, than Ohio State when they're right. And and so I, I think both – I'll just tell you now, I'm picking the Buckeyes and the Horn Frogs to go mm. to the national championship. Tim Brando doesn't even want the points, for crying out loud. He's got them uh, winning straight up. Hey, you mentioned Quentin Johnston. He's been mentioned a lot around here uh, as where the Jaguars uh, will go. Now, they, the Jacksonville keeps winning, so he's probably going to be long gone before they get there. But what – because, you know, to our listening audience, it's not a Big 12 listening audience, uh, so to speak. You know, it's SEC. What is so brilliant about Johnston? Well, he's incredibly athletic. Uh, he's he's he, he's his height. I'm going to go really old school on you, okay? His height is like Harold Carmichael S. Oh, okay. He's just long. He can high point the ball and out jump almost anyone. He reminds you a little bit of Evans, only I think he's I think he's more athletic than Evans, uh, and he's certainly faster than Evans. So, you know, down there with Tampa Bay. I, I think he's the best wide receiver I saw. Uh, and he can beat you on seam routes. He's willing to take a, a hit and take the ball across the middle. He's willing to uh, – and he can outrun people. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got – I mean, it's not like he's got the greatest speed, but his speed is deceptive because he's so long and angular. Um, he, I just think the guy is, is money. Absolute money, and I don't think there's a defender for Michigan that can handle him uh, at all. I think it's a matchup advantage for TCU. And uh, the issue for the Horn Frogs is going to be can they establish any kind of run game? Mich- Michigan uh, is 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 obviously tough on the run, and that's the Duggan is the X factor there because he's elusive. And he can get yards. You know, they have designed quarterback runs for him within their offense. So that gives them one more guy to account for in the running game. But, um, you know, Kendra Miller's a good back, a serviceable back, uh, but he, he's, not a, he's not a great back. Uh, Tay Barber is also an outstanding receiver. Uh, Darius Davis is a, a speed merchant. So it's not as if Johnston's all alone, but he's the most dynamic of the – of the three guys that you generally see out there. Tim Brando, our guest, of course, uh, Timmy B, all year long, covers college football and does a great job play-by-play along with Spencer Tillman. He does so for Fox Sports. Uh, Also, a quick tip of the cap for bringing up Jacksonville's own Harold Carmichael when you mention (laughs) that. Born right here in Duval, uh, no doubt about that, uh, the Hall of Famer. All right, Stetson Bennett. um, You know, I I look at that Tennessee game and – Man, I I was I'm still surprised at the velocity that he threw the football during that particular game. Uh, to me, it was his best of the season. There's some reservation that Georgia's in trouble 
if they're down by a couple of possessions. Uh, what do you make of that? I don't agree. I think Stetson Bennett is uh, is a gamer. You know, he's he's more than a game manager now. I think he's a gamer. Uh, you know, we're not supposed to tell you who we're voting for before we vote, but I'll tell you right now, I had him number two behind Duggan. Uh, I, I I had Duggan one. I had uh, Bennett two. I thought he I thought he earned it. Uh, I thought he made plays that mm-hmm. uh, the, the, the 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 Bennett kid could not probably make a year ago. Uh, he was always a really good, smart uh, quarterback, but now he's a really good, athletically gifted, smart quarterback. I think his his game has uh, has grown. I mean, tremendously from a year ago. Uh, I don't I don't think Georgia's offense is is uh, is necessarily a liability when they're behind uh, at all. I do think Georgia's defense can be torched. That's what I'm telling you. I, I think that uh, if if the protection is good enough uh, and and the, the rush ins are not caving in on, on Stroud, I think that there's a very good chance that as long as uh, Ryan Day stays away from, you know, these 25-yard out routes where mm-hmm. – asking you know a guy to make a, a throw like you're supposed to make on Sundays all the time you know Nick Saban and Kirby Smart have both made a career out of intercepting those passes don't ask too much of 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 CJ Stroud let him let him hit some steam routes let him hit the, some over the top passes and some shallow crosses uh, try to keep the game you know you're going to have some explosive plays if you're Ohio State but you don't have to you don't have to get, uh, you know, five seconds of protection because of the kind of uh, route that's being run is an NFL route. Uh, I think that's where Day got into some trouble when they got behind against Michigan. Um, I, I think they learned their lesson from that. I just believe, look, Jim Knowles, the defensive coordinator for Ohio State, got lit up by a lot of people after the Michigan game with all those dynamic plays, all those explosives. You know, you've heard it all week. You know, five plays cost them the game. Mm-hmm. Well, look, when he was at Oklahoma State, when 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 he was having that great year and they won eleven games for Gundy last year, uh, he he did give up. It is a risk reward defense, and Ryan Day knew that when they hired him. But his his run fit and the things that he was doing, he had his guys in the right place. They just got out executed up front, out tough by Michigan. Uh, and I think the Buckeyes, after being thrown around a little bit, uh, and their self-esteem got uh, impacted by the, the loss to, to Michigan, I think they learned their lesson. And that's one of the reasons why I think they're going to really match up well with Georgia here. I, I, they are being sold uh, by most in media as a severe underdog. Like, it's a given that Georgia is just that much better. And I think it's because people can't get out of their minds what Georgia did to Michigan last year, right, and what Michigan did to Ohio State this year, that has nothing to do with the matchup. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. Okay? Right, both fans and, and drive-by college football media can't get out of their minds. They can't unsee what they saw last year in the semifinals with Michigan and Georgia, and they can't unsee those five plays that Jim Knowles' defense gave up to Michigan. It's not like that. Um, Mashups in college football uh, from week to week are are different. And I said all year we had a lot of parity in college football. And I think when you look at this this group of four teams, and, and yeah, there's some familiarity with with Georgia being there again, and Ohio State is a a team that historically has been in the playoffs. But but TCU and Michigan both are – Michigan was there a year ago, I know, but they're still new to it, and TCU is brand new to it. Mm-hmm. And I just think I just think these teams are much more balanced uh, and evenly matched than than people realize. And I think emotionally, because of the way TCU lost to K State, and because of the way Ohio State got uh, bludgeoned at home, I think they take it out. I think there's an emotional. Uh, influence and impact here that's going to help both of those teams. But I think the matchups are still very good to them. Yeah. So it's going to be a pro-Georgia crowd. We know the game is in Atlanta. It's going to be 
likes the underdog on um, uh, both the underdogs on both games coming up on on Saturday. Hey, uh, as we get ready to, to say goodbye, and I know we just had early signing day and anything, you know, everything along those lines. Is there a big splash coming? I mean, could Jim Harbaugh go to the NFL, or do you think we're done as far as college football coaches? Uh, no, I, I think you're going to hear a lot more about coaches in the aftermath of these games, particularly at Alabama, where after the Kansas State game. Uh, in the Sugar Bowl, both coordinators are gone. Both. Golding will be gone, the D.C., uh, and obviously O'Brien will be gone, the, o- the O.C. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, uh, that's another fix for you, okay? Alabama fans are already getting ready to tell you that, you know, they just weren't up for the game. Because <laughs> Kansas State's gonna, Like the Kansas Utah State's game gonna, years ago, yeah. Kansas State's going to whip them the way Utah did. And, and everybody's like, well, well if, if Bryce Young didn't leave, Will Anderson's coming back. They're saying all this because they want to make themselves feel better. But the truth is, you know, Saban had a great signing day. Yeah. But in today's environment, how much, how many of those guys do you really hold on to? And ask, ask, um, you know, ask the head coach at A&M about what signing day really means. Mm -hmm. Okay. I, I, I honestly believe that when you've got two coordinators that A, want out, and B, the fan base wants them out, you got some issues in terms of preparation. Yeah. And I, I think that whether it's a pro job or a college job, I think both of these guys are gone. Saban, in effect, has to replace both guys. And, you know, he runs his program like uh, an NFL organization. And in a lot of ways, you know, his GM is gone too, if you want to call him that. So I think you're going to see some changes uh, noteworthy because those guys – uh, are going to get jobs somewhere. Okay, where is that going to be? Yeah. And, and and I think that, um, you know, we've already seen Rule come back to college football. He's, he's picked off a bunch of really good coaches to be on his staff, you know, at Nebraska. And so, yeah, I think there's some big moves coming. Uh, we live in a world of, uh, of change all the time, and uh, particularly with, with uh, the transfer portal and – and NIL, all this, all this movement of players also means coaches have their heads on swivel. Mm-hmm. You know, to, where, where, where would I fit in best? You know, so I think everybody's being upwardly mobile, and and the potential of seeing some some surprises uh, in terms of guys deciding that they may step away or that they are going to get jobs elsewhere and become coordinators means there could be a um, a domino effect in terms of big name coordinators going from one place to another. Yeah. And I think it all starts with those two guys that I mentioned, the offensive coordinator and defensive coordinator at Alabama, both of whom I believe based on uh, people I talked to in the business are gone after this bowl game. Good to see Bill O'Brien perhaps back with, uh, with Bill Belichick and the new England Patriots. I'm talking about that. Yeah. All right, Tim Brando. Uh, listen, I am told that brother Bino <laughs> Tomorrow at 5.30, we'll be in Orlando. Oh, my goodness. It's the gods of, of J.C. Watts and Quentin Griffin. It's Oklahoma against the alma mater. How does Brother Bino see it? Unbelievable. They got the, Oklahoma's got no chance. Venables has got all kinds of problems. You look at Florida State, the six, they look, they're, they, they're nine wins. Oklahoma's... Six and six, are you kidding me? One more six and they're Satan. But crying <laughs> out loud, they got no shot. 
Florida State, God's country, Baloo's team, they win. They got the material. There he goes. Brother Bino, and to you, Tim Brando, we'll be uh, seeing you with tons of college basketball coming up. As always, our pleasure here in Jacksonville. Happy New Year to you and yours. You got it, my friend. One big one before I let you go. Kansas over Arkansas tonight. A lot lot of bodies are gone for Arkansas. Kansas gets a bowl win, finishes with a winning year. All right. There you have it right there from Tim Brando. Tim, always a pleasure. Thank you. You got it. Happy New Year, buddy. There he goes, Tim Brando. Wanted to rerun that for you that we did on Wednesday. Almost nailed that Kansas pick, by the way. What a thrilling game that was. Been a pretty interesting bowl season so far, including the Gator Bowl today. A big win for Notre Dame right here in Jacksonville over South Carolina. All right, when we come back, I'll give you an update from the Orange Bowl, Clemson and Tennessee, plus JJ and yours truly, Rick Ballou. It's time to make our weekly picks. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. All right, thank you once again to Tim Brando. Appreciate that. Eight minutes to go in the Orange Bowl. No score. Sixth-ranked Tennessee, seventh-ranked Clemson. This is not a DJ Uwe Angalele Hendon Hooker matchup. Uh-uh. It's Cade Klubnick, Joe Milton III getting after it. We're getting ready to make our picks here in a moment, and – those are obviously backup quarterbacks at Clemson and Tennessee, respectively. We, we know that DJ's on the move. He's going to Corvallis. Obviously, uh, Hooker was a uh, an early season Heisman Trophy candidate. I think he ended up in the top five when it was all said and done. He might have finished after Benson, who was four. I was actually surprised he didn't make it to New York. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, he was fifth. Uh, this, this has changed. Uh, you know, with this game, and, and and again, a lot of backup quarterbacks in action coming up this weekend on the NFL. We'll get there in just one second. Uh, the zero nine seven six gave me a pretty long bit on uh, on Fleetwood Mac. We've been playing a lot of Fleetwood Mac as of late because, first off, they're one of my favorite bands. But Christine McVie's death really kind of shook me uh, a few weeks ago. But you know, I I always kind of get into what I'm reading, so I'm reading Mick Fleetwood's book. Okay, it's an autobiography. And I never knew that, that Rumors, which is their most successful album, right? It was the second album where, you know, Bob Welsh left and they brought in Stevie and Lindsay. And they wanted only Lindsay to be the guitarist, but he said, no, we're a package deal. You know, Stevie's coming with us. And they had to check with, with Christine, you know, can we bring another female artist in and you know with Stevie she didn't play any instruments she was a vocalist but she obviously was um a superstar and to this day is arguably the out of the five the five that you know most even though the band was formed with Peter Green back across the pond this is the California side of it where the McVees John McVee and, and Mick Fleetwood came from from London um but it, it's it took nine months. They went right over the Golden Gate Bridge to Sausalito, which is a kind of a quaint little. Uh, I've actually been there a couple of times before, and it's it's nice. And they couldn't get it done there. Way too much cocaine. They took a little bit of time off. They went back and got it done, really in a seedy area in Los Angeles, which you know was next to peep shows and all that stuff. Kind of really a filthy setting. But they put together their most successful album. Here's what I didn't know. During the nine months that they wrote and recorded that album, Lindsey Buckingham and Stevie Nicks broke up. The McVees, okay? Christy McVee was Christine uh, Perfect is her maiden name. They broke up. And Mitt Fleetwood, and I can't think of the, the lady's name right now. Jenny. Uh, it's Boyd. Yeah, her, her sister was the one who was married to George Harrison. Jenny Boyd. Yeah, and then had the affair with Eric Clapton, and she was the one, I, you know, we talked about a few weeks ago, responsible for so many songs that have been written, including Wonderful Tonight and Layla and all of that. His sister, or her sister, was married to Mick Fleetwood actually twice. So during their most successful album, 
Everyone in the rock band split from their significant other as they recorded that. I, I, as much of a Fleetwood Mac fan I've always been, I, I was not aware of those particular details. That's why I read, JJ. When you read, you learn, you know? Yeah, a lot of these, you know, musical acts make their best music when they're not doing the greatest in life. You know, that normally, like, their later albums, when they're rich and famous and doing amazing, they're not as good. You know, I need a struggle. I need to hear about, you know, somebody going through some stuff. It says, yeah, Fleetwood uh, discovered that his wife, Jenny, mother of his two children, was having an affair with his best friend. Right. You know, he was involved in the band. Uh, he was there early on with, uh, with Peter Green and some others uh, before Bob Welch. And that happened. Happened twice too. Someone up, one of his. He lived in a flat, and someone in the same complex had a relationship. So you know that was coming right off of you know it was a few years later, I guess. And the summer of love was '67. This is in the mid '70s when this actually happened. But there was still some free love, and certainly the lack of diseases uh, that were going on. Oh, so still I, free love today. Yeah, you know uh, where to look. But really. Oh, absolutely. Are, are, you, are, are you serious about that? <laughs> no, I have no idea. All right. But uh, you're right, because that album. <laughs> Nothing's free. I mean, if you look at that band, they're one of the few bands that has three lead singers. And they all wrote. But all of the great songs that came from that album is basically about writing about their their partner who became a former partner and the grief and the devastation and depression and, and everything else that goes into all of those songs, man, if, if you listen to that album now, you have a totally different perspective on what they did with that great album, Rumors. So, there you go. Let's get to our picks. Are we ready? My goodness, man. Hey, Baloo, what are you on? Classic rock? Or are you on the home of the Jags? I'd like to think both. All right, last week. I believe I was seven and three, and you were five and five. Season totals: yeah. Baloo one hundred three and sixty-three. JJ ninety-six and seventy. Therefore, we'll let you. Or actually, I'll go first. You can go opposite of me. And a big shout out to Rick for picking the Titans last week. Congrats. Uh, for picking or the Texans. The Texans over the Titans. Yeah, I, I picked. That, that was uh, before the Tanny Hill announcement. Exactly. And I don't know where that one came from. Usually I only get reminded when I get things wrong. All right, Bama, Kansas State. You just heard Brando's comments on it. He kind of thinks this is one of those classic Alabama. They're not in the hunt for the national title, so they don't win the game. Kansas State, you know that for them this is a Super Bowl, but I, I'm going to go the other way here. I'm going to take Alabama. Yeah, I agree. I don't know much about Kansas State other than the TCU game I watched, but I like Bama to beat them. All right, you're up Michigan TCU. I like TCU to cover the eight, but I like Michigan to win outright. Yeah, I'm going with you here. I like the Wolverines as well. Perhaps the toughest game of the day is Ohio State-Georgia. Boy, I would not bet this with anyone's money. I'm going to take the dogs to hold serve, though, that home crowd. Even though Ohio State travels, you know, Georgia's going to have the majority of the, uh, majority of the fans there in Atlanta. Yeah, I would like to see Georgia lose just because it would – it would be crazy, the chaos that would ensue after that. But uh, I think Georgia holds on wins by probably seven. One more game for us in the NFL. And I don't know why I put it on there because I feel like I've been on the other side of Utah. Or actually, this would be college football. Uh, the other side of Utah all season long. Uh, but I'm going to take Penn. Actually, you're up first, right? Yes. It is Penn State in Utah. I love the tight ends at Utah. Um I've only seen them play a few times. I saw the Florida game. I saw the uh, USC game. I'm going to go with Utah here. Penn State didn't really impress me this year. I'm going to take Penn State because I think if Penn State wins, I can get the Mangler to (laughs) buy me a meal. So I'm going to take the Nittany Lions. All right, let's turn our attention to the National Football League. We have six games to choose from, including, of course, the Jaguars, as they will take on Houston Sunday at 1. Quick reminder, I'll be with you at 8 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, yours truly, along with me, O'Brien. Plenty of guests joining us live from Houston. Let's begin with Miami and New England. Um, I'm going to take Miami here. Now, listen, I know that two is out. I know that it's Teddy Bridgewater. It, it just something really feels off 
in New England. Everything that's going on with that football team. So I'm going to take the Dolphins. How do you see it? This one's difficult. Um, I'm going to take the Pats just because Teddy Two Gloves. Teddy Two Gloves. There you go. Right back at you. Carolina and Tampa Bay. Your selection. <laughs> I think Tampa's going to win another really, really ugly game. Like a 13-7 to type game. I, I see the Bucks winning. You know, I'm going to take the Bucks, but I did circle Tampa for my bet against Blue, which if we have time, we'll get to in a little bit. Uh, Carolina ran the ball last week a for lot. nearly 300 yards. Yeah. Okay, Deontay Against Foreman. Against the Lions, who were like the hottest team in the NFL. Right. Foreman went for 165. Cheva Hubbard went for 125. Uh, the Panthers beat Tampa uh, earlier in the season, 21-3. Wow, I forgot about that. Yeah. I, I just think Tampa, with everything that is there for them, I tend to agree with you. I think it's an ugly game, but I am going to take the Bucks to knock off. Man, are they hard to watch. The Panthers. And it's so disappointing because they've always – you know, I've always loved watching Brady play. Right. You, know, you either love Brady or you you don't love Brady. I, I, I've i happened to marvel over his talent. We'll see how that is Sunday at 1 o'clock. All right, Minnesota and Green Bay. I forgot who's up. Is it you and me? Um, it's me. I'm taking the Vikings here. Uh, they're underdogs. They're on the road, but I like them to win. I'm going to take the Packers. They've won four in a row, much like... You know, in, I love these divisional matchups, much like what we just talked about with the Bucks and Panthers. You go back to week one, Green Bay was just throttled by Minnesota. Uh, it was a 23-7 game. Farb was awful. I'm going to oh. take the Packers here against the Vikings. I love that. You what, rematch? Him, or you just called him Farb. What did I say? <laughs> you said Farb was awful. Aaron oh. Rodgers was awful. <laughs> Well, I went from Fleetwood Mac. That, hey, to be fair, he played for both of these teams. I chronicled the entire history of, <laughs> of Fleetwood Mac, but I still don't even know that the quarterback in Green Bay is not Lord Favre, that it's Aaron Rodgers. We're almost on his replacement. Yes. And there's a lot of replacements in this weekend, including the game between Baltimore and Pittsburgh. Yes. It's not going to be Lamar Jackson once again. It's going to be Tyler Huntley. Against the Steelers. I went against the Steelers last week, and it backfired in my face. I am up. I'm going to do the same thing. Even with no Lamar Jackson, I am going to take the Ravens at home. Yeah, I agree. I, I hate the Steelers. Like, they just bore me. I hate their quarterbacks. I'm taking the Ravens. All right, right back at you. What a game this is going to be. How about Buffalo and Cincinnati? I actually like the Bengals. They're at home. It's going to be on Monday night. The crowd's going to be sick. I'm going Bengals. You know, I do too. And let me point this out. Jaguar fans, you want Cincinnati to win this game because, listen, you'd much rather have Baltimore come in here, right, than Cincinnati. You you look at teams who may come in. It could be, you know, it could be Miami. It could be Los Angeles, uh, that being the Chargers. And certainly it could be, if the season ended today, it would be Baltimore. But it doesn't end today. There's two more football games. Um, you don't want Cincinnati losing and somehow have them backdooring their way here. That's the one matchup that I don't like for Jack. I'm telling you right now, I'm going to pick them over Baltimore. I'm going to pick them over Miami. I'm going to pick them over the Los Angeles Chargers, who oh. they beat the first time, if in fact those one of those three teams comes here during wild card weekend. Yeah, Cincinnati. I think they, they would probably uh-uh. be favored over everyone except Cincinnati yeah. and probably the Chargers. Cincinnati's a tough putt. All right. Yeah. Uh, finally, Jacksonville at Houston. No doubt, I have Jacksonville winning this game this weekend. The streak will end. Jack's big. We both like Alabama against Kansas State. We both like Michigan over TCU. We both like Georgia over Ohio State. I'm taking Penn State. JJ's taking Utah. I'm going to take Miami, who's won three in a row against the Patriots. Uh, J.J. is going to take New England in Foxborough. We both like Tampa against Carolina. J.J. is taking Minnesota at Lambeau. Uh, I'm going to take Bart Starr and the Green Bay Packers uh, to win that game. You like uh, Baltimore? I like Baltimore. We both like them. We both like Cincinnati. What a game. What a playoff feel with Buffalo and Cincinnati. Although, again, um, or actually, yeah, Josh Allen is playing. Uh, Joe Burrow's playing. I was looking at Baltimore, and somehow Lamar Jackson came to mind. And we both like 
the Jags against Houston. There you go. Picks are in. 103 and 63 is Baloo. 96 and 70 is JJ. Uh. Put our final thoughts on this one. On the other side, Tennessee up 7-0, 420 to go first quarter. Every time I look up, there's a flag. So, obviously, there is some rust in this game. And as you know, not a lot of experience at quarterback for either one of these two this year. Joe Milton and Cade Klubnick, they are the two getting after one another right now during the Orange Bowl. Final thoughts coming up here on the other side. Hacker Nation is going to join you tonight at 9 o'clock. Into the Night with Rick Ballou on 1010XL 92.5 FM. Oh, you're killing the lonely women out there because, you know, there are those who feel burned that they don't have a significant other to celebrate New Year's with I'll be in bed. I'll be watching the games. Well, that's I wish right. I didn't have a girl. I have to. <laughs> tomorrow would be like the perfect day to be single. Actually. Who am I kidding? I'll ne- I I won't be in bed. <laughs> but the, the second game begins at eight. But I I will be here early on Sunday morning at eight a.m. So I will not be out uh, getting liquored up with so many of you. You're killing them because you bring in the saxophone as well, and you know the ladies just go crazy. That's smooth jazz. Oh man. I could do it all over again. I would play the sacks. <laughs> Jaguars have six players who are questionable. That includes Trevor Lawrence, who's going to play. We know that. Andrew Wingard, a shoulder. Also, things are really trending up for both Big Foley and Trayvon Walker with, with ankles. They've obviously missed recent play. Ross Matisic, the long snapper. Remember, they did sign former Seminole Garrison Sanborn this week, and Brandon Sheriff with an abdomen and ankle. Again, all listed as questionable. We'll talk about that coming up Sunday at 1 o'clock. All right, two-minute warning. Just let me run through it real quick, okay? Uh, last week, 8-8 eight and eight in uh, Bet Against Baloo. So I lost $800, right? Every win's 1000 Every loss is 1100 You got to pay the vig. You got to pay the juice. You got to do it. That means for the season, I'm 131, 102, and 8. And plays, uh, predictions that I make, I bet against my predictions. So that means for the year, I'm up $18,800 if you took all of my plays and went against them and bet on them. You would be up $18,800. I lost last night. I had Dallas minus 12. They covered. So I guess officially I would be down to... 17700 right? Because you got to pay the $100 juice. I'm betting against myself. Here we go. Jets at Seahawks. Seahawks minus one, uh, plus one and a half at home. Yes, I will take Seattle. Atlanta minus, minus five and a half. I'm going to take them too. But, I mean, who's not going to watch a David Blau-Desmond Ritter matchup tomorrow at the Mercedes-Benz Stadium Everybody's in Atlanta? About it. That'll actually be played on Sunday. My bad. Uh, Lions minus six against the Bears. First time they met, 31-30. The season is over for the Bears. I expect the Lions to bounce back. Give me Detroit at home. I never lay 12 and a half points. But I do against Denver. They just fired their coach, Russell Wilson. My gosh, I'm going to take KC here. I think they'll tack on some late points. Huge number. I would never bet this game, ever. But with this, I have to make a selection. Miami, I'm going to take them plus the two and a half in New England. The New York Giants minus five and a half. I have no faith any longer in Jeff Saturday, Nick Foles, or anyone else in Indy. Uh, Plus, if the Giants win, they will clinch a playoff berth for the first time since 2016. So give me NYG. Philadelphia, same deal here against the Saints. Jalen Hurts is not going to play. Gardner Minshew will. They can clinch the East with a victory. So I think I like Philly, even though it's an odd number, minus five and a half against the Saints. Carolina goes to Tampa. I'm going to take Carolina here. Told you why. They dominated him first time around. They've been running the ball well. Tampa's just ugly. I like the Bucs to win the game. I, I do. But I don't think they cover the four. I, I think they win it 21-20 or, you know, 2017, something along those lines. Give me Cleveland in D.C., You know, Carson Wentz, they've lost two in a row. They need to win out in order to get to the playoffs. 
uh, to be one of those two wild card, one of the the three wild card teams. Matter of fact, the season ended today. Every team from the NFC East would be represented. Will that stick? I happen to think Cleveland surprises them this weekend. So give me the dog here, plus two. Cleveland, Vegas. I mean, Brock Purdy, Jarrett Stidham. Nine and a half's a lot for me. Even though 49er fans, I think, are going to dominate Raider fans in Vegas. I still, a home dog plus nine and a half, sign me up. I can't lay that with San Francisco. I already told you why. I'm taking Green Bay. They lost the opener against Minnesota. They're playing some really good football. Uh, Minnesota, even though they play in the cold often, they're still a dome team, and I get it. You know, they travel to Green Bay. They travel to Chicago and places like that where it's very cold. But I think the Packers win this game. LAR at LAC. I'm taking LAR. How can I not? After what we watched last week. I mean, insane. Baker Mayfield. And you know, I think they covered. I like LAC to win, but here's the cover uh, for the Rams. Pitt at Baltimore. I'm taking uh, Tyler Huntley and Baltimore. Again, Pittsburgh's one of those teams, kind of like Utah in college football. No matter what I do, the opposite comes in to play. Buffalo at Cincinnati plus one and a half at home. I'll take the Bengals and Jacksonville minus the three at Houston. There you go. Now, if you don't know what I'm doing, every team I picked, I'm betting against. Okay, so I'm playing Houston plus three. Are the Jacks only three-point favorites? Mm-hmm. Wow. I'm playing Buffalo minus a hook, uh, one and a hook. And that's why I call it bet against Baloo. And it's worked this year, 131, 102, and eight, where I've won $18,800. It's all fiction, not real money. And I know you may be saying, well, why would you do this? Why would you bet every game and against your pick? Because my point has always been this. If you bet on every NFL game, you're a fool, okay? When I used to bet and I had success, I'd pick three games a week, maybe four games a week. Not all 16. You're never going to win by betting on all 16. Here's the proof I got for you right there. So, that is that. Thank you to Tim Brando. Thank you to JJ. Folks, have a safe and happy new year. Enjoy tonight. Enjoy tomorrow. Hackers up next for JJ. My name is Rick Ballou. I will talk with you Sunday morning at 8 a.m. right here on your home of the Jags.